This is Joseph Gervaisi. I'm here with Will McAndrew. It is February 22nd, 2013, uh, recording this interview in the Africa Room of the International House. And this is part of the Loud Fast Philly series. Hello, Will, and welcome to the Africa Room. Oh, hello. Look at all, you see, the, the person listening to this can't see all the rhinoceri. Oh, it's, it's exotic. It's truly exotic. Yeah, <laughs> this is an amazing place. Well, anyways, um, well, tell me, uh, what year were you born? Uh, 1992. Okay. Uh, so what I wanted to do with some of these interviews, uh, as I explained to you before, but I'll explain to the listener now, was uh, in order for this not to be uh, an exercise in uh, golden nostalgia of, you know, back in the day, that there needs to be a link to the present. Um, you know, someone, people who are active in the current incarnation of hardcore punk to kind of provide a perspective on, you know, what, what's going on now and, and is it still a vital form. Um, so, uh, why don't you tell me a little bit about where, where you grew up, where you came from. Okay. Um, I grew up in Westchester County, New York, which is right outside New York City. Um, I guess sort of got into punk through being the slightly overweight kid with a speech impediment. You know, mm -hmm. just kind of find yourself into those things. Right. All the kids who got you into punk end up turning to jocks, and then you left feeling like you're the only one. And then um, pretty much from there, I started going to shows in my town, um, got a job, so I would just go down to the city and hang out with my friends all the time down there. Um, started a couple bands and met some people. I guess I'm sort of going to how I got to Philly through this. Um, yeah, go ahead. Uh, started meeting some people through going to shows in the city. Um, my friend Ryan Hendrickson and Jim Shomo lived at a house called the Taylor Dome on 48th and Happelfold, I think. It was somewhere 2009, I think. And so my band would go down and play there. So what, what year, before we go too far into that, like what year did you, you come into contact with punk? Like what was the initial seed or germ of, um, of it that came into you? Initial seed was, I think I was in seventh grade, put it in, I guess it was... So this is like the early 2000s? Yeah, it's like maybe so. 2004, okay. 2003, 2004, um, I guess. And a new kid came to my school and had all Moan's backpatch, safety pinned on, and I thought that was really cool. And I was sort of tired of listening to Eminem and wore my polo shirt. Yeah, it yeah, seemed yeah. like a new thing. Mm -hmm. um, his brother had bleached tail. It seemed like it would make sense. And it just seemed like a cool thing to me. Um, uh, I remember going to, I think it was Bortles and buying Jones, the Jones discography in Operation Ivan's. Operation Ivy's energy and the girl at the counter said it was cool, mm. which made, just <laughs> right, yeah. sold it on me even more. Yeah, you know, yeah. The, if the record store girl, the, likes yeah, exactly. Yeah, the, or the, the, girl, the girl, girl behind the counter thinks you're cool for buying a CD. It's like, okay, I gotta, yeah, yeah. I gotta you're check you're, you're headed in the right direction. Yeah. Then, right? yeah. Um. So I guess it's sort of through that. It's like there was a small local scene in like Westchester County. Um, there was like tons of like I guess like ska punk bands and you know attempted cross bands you know mm -hmm. the sort of things you'll find in any high school area. Right. Um, but I think the main thing was just like having access to New York City being like a 45 minute train ride away just like once you can get your parents to stop trusting you to stay out for a day or two and just get on the train and try and go down there but like you wait till you get out of school on Friday mm -hmm. you just want to try and go down there and do cool stuff. It's, right, right. Kind of made it more, feel like more magical, I guess. Um, so where were you seeing shows in New York City? In New York, um, there was a house called John Bosch, um, Death by Audio, uh, Silent Bone. Um, before I moved to Philly, I, like 538 Johnson started doing shows, and they had, I think at the time, like three. There was only one floor of, I think, pe people only lived on one floor, and on that floor there were, I think, four different lofts doing shows mm -hmm. <laughs> at that given time. So it was just, there was nice, a yeah. plethora of stuff going on. Right. Um, but... I think 
the main thing, which made me want to come to Philly, though, is just like seeing the Taylor Dome and like going from New York. It's like so many of the house show, so many of the shows, I guess, aren't even really houses. It's more so like a DIY, so like whale house, like loft or spot. And coming to Philly is like, oh man, this is just my friend's living room. Like all the, it's actually houses here because I feel like in New York it's past the point where like house shows are kind of like a feasible thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's, not, there's not enough space. Yeah, there's, people, like, yeah it's, people live in a closet, yeah. so you can't have a band playing a closet yeah. and an audience. It's. I think we should I'll try putting a band in the closet and see how it goes. <laughs> yeah, um, well, some bands should probably stay in the fucking closet. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> um, yeah, so Philly, I mean, you know, because more affordable rent, a lot of people live in, in group houses. You certainly yeah. got the nasty basement. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You got the nasty basement. You got the living room. I feel like recently, it's my experience with Philly, it was like Taylor Dome, they were doing shows in the living room, and this house now called Golden Tea House, which is like, I guess, sort of... I think it used to be like an auto body shop or something, but it's like a phonist house now, and the shows are in the kitchen with like a huge balcony around it. Where is that? Uh, that's at 40th and Bailing. Okay. Uh, so it's like near the Drexel campus. Mm-hmm. Um, so that I think also has a that opens up more of a a little bit more accessible, I guess, and getting people to know about shows right. through that. Um, yeah. So what do the neighbors think about this, you know, raucous well, caterwauling coming out of the house? thing which has worked out at least in the in fable of the places where I've been doing shows mostly is that. Golden Tea House is next to a corner store and a garage, okay, so there's nothing, good, and yeah. the neighbors across the street don't seem to care. Cloud City, which was at 52nd in Florence, I guess, on Paxton Street. Is this named after Lando Calrissian's oh, home? Yeah, okay, yeah. just making sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I didn't think there could possibly be another Cloud City, but, uh, you know. No, yeah, that's, I mean, punks is nodes. They love Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Um, and they will, they live next to a family who, like, will seemingly enthusiastic about it or just didn't really care that much. They just seemed to, their neighbors were having fun, and then the next three or four, I think it was three houses were abandoned. So it's usually the people, at least the past year and a half, two years or so, people have lucked out geographically mm-hmm. with not having neighbors be too much of a problem. Um, in the year and a half Cloud City was doing shows, I think the cops drove by once pretty much. They never came in the house or tried to sell anything. And I think Golden Tea House hasn't had any problems of note yet, at least. So the Tea House is still doing shows. Tea House is still going but on the, now. But the Cloud City yeah. defunct. Cloud or? City, uh, the lease was up. There's no way they're going to be able to resign it. It's, right. It was the, I was talking to Joe, who was on the lease there, and they, he was there when the landlord had to go over there for the first time since they had signed the lease, mm-hmm. which was after they'd moved out, and he was just like, what have you been doing here? And so was they, the house pretty wrecked? It was. Uh, they were doing... For, in the prime, that for like, I'd say probably like six to eight months, they were doing like 15 shows a month, pretty much. Yeah, I can imagine that would take a certain yeah, toll. I mean, you, got, you got a couple hundred people coming through your house every week. It's, it's going to do something, especially when the whole first floor is carpeted. So it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Can't, steam, can't steam clean that away. No, <laughs> certainly not. I'm sure the place wasn't that gorgeous to start with anyway. I wouldn't say that, yeah. Yeah, so it was just a, yeah. Uh, so coming into punk, you know, in 2004 or so, here's the thing that's like, it's been around for many years, you know, mm-hmm. 76, 77. So this thing is not only well-established, but it's, you know, been going on and on and on. Um, you know, when you come into this as a young person and you discover this thing, does it, does it seem ancient? Like, what is, how does it feel to a person when it's so old and it's been around for so long? Um, to me, at least when I came into it, it just kind of felt like I'm someone who can like over romanticize things sometimes, but it just felt like it was a whole new thing I could check out. Like a whole, it was like I didn't have to deal with all the shitty kids at school. I didn't have to deal with people who made me feel. Oh, well, you still have to deal with people who make you feel shitty, but it just you know you feel it felt. It didn't because it was so new to me. It didn't ever like it was never a thought of like oh I missed out on like the prime time. Like of course like 
I would like watch videos of bands I love like playing in like you know the eighties and nineties and be like, oh, that's so cool. But at the same time, I'd be seeing a band I was equally as stoked on the next week. Yeah, which yeah. is like I think which is one of the things which is at least kept me so excited about punk is that those my favorite band changes every week pretty much. It's yeah, like yeah. it's you know you hear about one band's coming to town, you know, oh, I'll check that out, and then you find your <laughs> you find your new niche already. Yeah, I mean, every interview that I've done with some with with people who are significantly older than me, they've, they've given me a list of bands that they've seen. And, you know, I want to fall on the floor because I cry because I could never see them. Yeah. But then, you know, I encounter people younger than me and they always feel like, oh, you, I can't believe you saw these bands. And, yeah. and it's the same thing, you know, surely going to happen it's, for you. The, I feel like my, like my experience with that is I would definitely meet people who had, like, saw shows I had heard about or, like, saw bands I would heard about. But I think it's, which kind of got me to why I wanted to sell videotaping shows. I just thought it was really cool that it had happened. And it wasn't like, it was never like, oh, man, that's never going to happen again. It's like, there's definitely like restrictions. Some like, it's, I mean, you're not going to find as many like Clash Worship style, like huge, crazy shows going on now as you would in like the late 90s or something. But yeah. at the same time, something was just really cool about healing about that and knowing that that was there and that that had been a thing. Yeah. And that there's still, you know, possibility of crazy, weird, fluky stuff going on, you know. And, yeah, and, yeah. The and, basement breeds all kinds of things yeah. fungus and, <laughs> and like really interesting creativity because, was, you know, there's no overhead. Yeah. So, I mean, it's harder for a band to, like, say, do a show at R5 or something because, it's, you know, it's a bigger operation. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you can do any crap in the basement, and yeah. some of that crap is really great. Exactly. You know? um, exactly. Yeah. Uh, yeah but part of what I was talking with, to different people about was that, you know, I was asking them why did they, and these, these were, you know, older people, why did they think that this form existed? Because some of these, these folks that I talked to had, had been there before punk existed in any way. So they, they're, you know, they're there in 76 and 77 um, on through into, you know, hardcore in the happen. 80s and all that. Um, so, you know, I asked them, now, why, why do they think that, um, you know, the younger people are still drawn to this thing? And, you know, some guys have said, and I'm kind of paraphrasing and kind of clumping together, you know, a bunch, bunch of different people and then partially me, is that the, the form um, is just sort of like ceaselessly exciting. Like, it, you know, it's stripped down. There's no real artifice to it. Um, it's exciting and vital, uh, and and that's what kind of like keeps this thing alive. Whereas other things, um, you know, other musical trends or youth cultures or, or or youth cults and things like that have kind of fallen to the wayside because they don't necessarily speak to successive generations. Does that seem you know about right to you? I could definitely see that. I think part of the thing which has kept me is I think punk is just such a overlying umbrella tone that it can be applied to so many different things that it's like if you get tired of seeing you know the same fast hardcore band every week and go see some freak out jams or you know like like a like a pop rocky like replacementy style band and it's it, it'll all fall into the same umbrella and it'll still at least to me feel like something which is just as exciting or like homey mm-hmm. i guess right right it's, i just think the way that punk is seemingly so fluid is something which is at least i mean at 20 has kept me interested from i guess the past like Seven years, right? I suppose. And like, do you do you could see yourself kind of continuing on, you know, with the retaining an interest? It's the in only this? thing that really makes sense to me. It's you know, it's people at college asking you, "What do you want to do with your life?" It's like I want to book shows and go on tour and have fun, and then, you know, I'll figure out a job. <laughs> like right. I'll, I'll figure out the rest of my life when it gets to that point. But for now, it's like hopefully in for a while longer. I mean, I can't say what I'll be doing, like you know, a month from now, let alone possibly tomorrow. dead. Possibly dead. Always, always an option, <laughs> but but, but hopefully not. Yeah. 
<laughs> who knows my my trolley today on my way down to school almost clashed today so yeah, that's yeah, always a possibility yeah, trolley is so, always a frightening prospect we'll get in there yeah you're gonna get legionnaires disease from it if you don't get into an accident yeah, so you've got something to look it every to. day and it just smells like piss more and more uh, yeah yeah well have a nice time in philadelphia um <laughs> Yeah, so uh, so the one thing I think the the kind of vein that's moved through um, punk from the from the onset and then on to the present is is the ethos of, of DIY, mm-hmm. uh, and I mean to me at least when I was younger and then still to the present that was was always kind of the most important thing and probably the only to me at least the only thing that was sort of a consistent through line you know musical styles would change people's stupid fashions would change mm-hmm. but this kind of ethos would move through. Do you, do you still feel that that is a really strong part I of the w- scene? I would definitely agree with that. And um, there's an organization called DIY PHL, which I was briefly a part of, which is still active now. Um, and they do like a monthly calendar of pretty much of all like the DIY punk or like, you know, out shows coming up. And they posted recently for, I think for most, they have 51 events scheduled already. Or like wow. not scheduled, they don't schedule. They just like list them, I guess. But 51 events going on in the city, which can all... Especially a city which Philadelphia isn't that big. <laughs> that's, that's the that's thing. True. Yeah, yeah. So um, I think the DIY ethic is definitely still there. And I think a lot of the kids, at least today, are like very, very excited on the idea of that punk is something which, um, how do I say this? They can just make it happen on their own. It's not something they don't need to rely on anyone else to sort of do it. I mean, you're going to have to like talk to people and outsource. you got to get your PA and make sure you can have the show on and all that sort of stuff. But people just like, I think, at least the people I hang out with and spend most of my time with are all still just like, oh god, I'm just world vomiting right now. Um, I think I think the ethic is definitely still there, and I think people are just as excited now as they could have been in 82 or 92, 2002, whatever it is. Right, right, that's good. You know, th- there's something that I was always, I was wondering about when, uh, so R5 is, uh, I mean, for people who, who hear this and you know, don't live in Philadelphia, does, does shows in Philly and has done so since uh, probably the mm, late 90s or early 2000s. Um, so, you know, this is a group of uh, kids coming, coming out of punk. I mean, they're certainly not kids now. They're yeah. well into adulthood. Um, and they've done these shows consistently. They operate out of a few different spaces. The shows are very efficiently run. They're reasonably priced. They, they're not uh, staffed by thugs. Um, uh, they're they're really efficient machines uh, mm-hmm. who genuinely care about music, yeah. and so this is great. But something I was wondering about, or a concern that I had, was that um, Philadelphia didn't used to have a consistent venue like that, mm-hmm. which kind of compelled people to seek out these little spaces to do shows to varying degrees of success. They would crop up, they'd disappear, the place would bust them, whatever. Different mm-hmm. different types of shit happen. But I was concerned that with a consistent venue that was so well run that some people in in Philadelphia scene would kind of lose some of the, the ethos of doing it for themselves because it was there for them and it was it was viable it was good and they didn't have to do that do you think that um, with the presence of something like R5 that there are still people who still want to just do you know their own version of the thing uh, or on a different scale you mean smaller I mean are you talking about how um I guess the underground is relevant, or how R5 is relevant to shows today, or... Well, I'm just saying, like, they serve the underground really well. I mean, there's always other levels of strata of underground, Mm -hmm. but, like, they serve the Philly scene really well, unlike, say, like, the Troc or something like that, or bar shows, which some people aren't even old enough to get into. But, like, R5 shows are usually all ages, you know, they're friendly environment, easy to get to and all that, affordable. So, like, when something like that exists, 
it would be very easy for someone who had an interest in underground music to just attend those shows and mm -hmm. never have to look around to set up their own warehouse show, basement mm -hmm. show, things like that. Um, so do you feel like with the presence of something like that, um, there's not as much of a desire to set up other things? Um, I don't necessarily agree with that. I think it definitely will give a lot of people an excuse not to, but I also think that would always be the case. I think it's, if you want to get something done, you're going to want to get, you're going to get it done pretty much. And if you're going to, you know, take the, I don't want to say easy way, if you're just going to remain comfortable with just having something which is so visible, mm -hmm. I guess I think that's, I don't want to say you're lost. I think all five does a, is like a very valuable and like actually incredible thing, especially compared to, I know they work with the Ballard Presents in New York, but just watching, for example, how the Ballard Presents is on, I guess looking at it at a similar level, I guess, because, I mean, they're doing club shows, they're doing big union transfer stuff. Um, I think the way that all five remains relevant to punk is really great. I mean, all those guys, you know, you'll see the guys who are booking the shows at Union Transfer, you'll see them in a basement, you know? It's like yeah, they'll yeah. come out. Oh, yeah, they're, 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 still, they're still there, you know? It's yeah, like, and they're yeah. still very pleasant, which I think is really important in that. But I think also all five has a valuable role because... Um, we told, when I was doing stuff with DIYPHL, we told Andy that we were going to be doing it, and he was like, yeah, come fly full, come fly with DIYPHL, I'll send my shows in, and he's like, you know, like, if you want to come into one of my shows, like, we'll get you on the list, just, like, just get the flyers out there, and he seemed like just as, I think that they, the people at L5 seem, if not more enthusiastic than the kids about the fact that there was something else, something else going on. Yeah, yeah, Which, I think all of those guys are old enough to, I mean, clearly they know what life was like before R5, exactly. because they started R5, so yeah. they saw what, you know, Philly was, uh, I wouldn't say a shambles, and I think it's always been served by venues, but I think it's been sort of more spottily served, I mean, that's the, the most consistent, and then, I, you know, I've been to other places around the country, and you probably have as well, and you can certainly talk to people in other scenes who don't really have anything like that yeah. you know, around. I think the other thing about Philly is, at least since I've started becoming been, uh, an active part of Philly Punk, is that whenever a house or a spot will stop doing shows, give it a month and there'll be someone who's trying to pick up the slack immediately after that. Like, Golden Tea House and Cloud City were doing shows at the same time, uh, Cloud City, I guess, more frequently. But once they stopped, I mean, a bunch of people were booking the, at Cloud City at the time. Golden Tea House instantly picked up the slack and were doing more shows. And I think um, the Farm on 49th and Walton, the same thing. They, you know, I'd see a show there every, like, six months or something like that before, and now it's playing there every other Saturday, something like yeah, that, you yeah. know. It's, it's, I think, people are just as enthusiastic, and once a spot is gone, people will realize that it's gone and that they need something else if they want to continue, mm -hmm. you know, making punk happen, right, I guess. Right. Now, there have been bands that have come out of these uh, these basements and, and this scene who have gained any kind of, like, notoriety outside of Philadelphia, you know, recorded or toured or, you know, anything of, of sort of particular note. Um... Since I've been here, not a whole lot. Um, Backslider has been doing really well lately. They, <laughs> it was actually funny. The first, when I, the first night I moved to Philly, um, I moved into my dorm, said goodbye to my parents, and got a text saying that Drop Dead was playing at a bar, which I don't want to mention because I still sneak in there. Um, uh, do you have a fake ID? or uh, I'm just trying to be resourceful. This never worked for me, by the way. But it's, uh, <laughs> it's a lot of, I also did... Um, this past summer I did security for Live Nation. Um, so I was trying to loan more of the tricks like that. It's, you know, you gotta lick the stamp off someone else's hand and get on your own. You gotta just, yeah, yeah. you gotta look like you own the place all the time. Right. <laughs> just walking past a security guard is the most. You'll be wearing a three-piece suit and yeah. then clearly he'll think that you just got out of work at yeah, IBM. Exactly. <laughs> just, you gotta just walk past the guys and uh, just act like you've already been in there pretty much. Um, but 
um, solid backslider. Um, yeah, the folks that I moved to Philly, I got there and met with a couple friends who were also um, underage at the time. And I didn't know any of the guys in backslider at the time. And they pulled up and didn't introduce myself. I just picked up one of their cabs and walked inside with it. And then from there, watched the set, videotaped it, and just started talking to them from that. And then the next night, I saw Logan. Like, I think it was next night or probably two days later, I saw Logan from Backslider's other band, Gash, play the first show. And it's just like... I mean, um, I'm sorry, back to the question on bands currently. Um, Backslider recently have been coming out of the basement more, and they've been touring the Dissidio tour this summer. Um, they have an LP coming out on, I think it's Deep Six or Six Weeks. Mm-hmm. I can't remember. Some grindy Palavans label of note. Um, Level, who they were kind of, I guess, more established by the time I got here, but they've continued to go. Um, they're always a lot of fun to see. Um, I feel like Philly has a syndrome of a lot of bands will be they'll just get a, a lot of bands or Philly bands and don't go out of town that much or gain much notoriety of outside of Philly, I guess, which is, like, they'll have, you know, like, a tool and it'll be going, um, but I feel like of late there haven't been a whole lot of bands which have gained, I guess, notoriety outside of Philly. Would you say that most of these bands are falling more into a sort of, like, a crustier, grindier, or power violence um, edge of end th- of things. I think there's actually a pretty wide variety of stuff that's happening usually. Like, there's always, you know, there's always going to be stuff rooted in hardcore. Um, like, there's, there's, like, the backslider cloud, which has, you know, there's, like, the Palavance bands and the grind bands, and then there's, you know, the more uh, straightforward hardcore bands. Um, there's, like, Self-Conscious and Cobra Lung when I first moved here. Um, Dope Shook, which is just more of, like, a punk band. It's They'll just, I think there's a, what I, there's a lot of variety, and if you have any sort of band that comes through, I think could get a show that would perfectly fit them. Mm-hmm. But also, if you want to, you could throw a curveball and just have it be fun for everyone else and get some cross germination going on with that. Do you see a lot of uh, broken up factions of individuals, like you know, people gravitating towards straight edge, or people gravitating towards you know the crust uh, you know you know and then but but keeping at a, a certain distance or would you, do you think um, it's kind of I think melted? overall like at least my experience is mainly like staying in West Philly um, I don't go over the bridge often just because I I like all, all the shows yeah. I want to see usually over here um, I feel like there's like the straight-edge kids will hang out with the drunk punks and everyone just wants to have a good time for the most part. Like, I'm not going to find too many straight-edge people in West Philly shortly. Oh no you got a couple I mean um, Jim Shomo who's been who's lived it most of the punk houses which I've considered of note in the past years, he can destroy it still, just having as much fun as, you know, hanging out with the people who party way hard. Right, right. It's, I think it's overall pretty accepting, like, if you don't drink, that's cool. If you drink, that's cool. And people are going to drink, that's definitely for sure. Yeah. Um, I feel like the only, like, I feel like any band can play with any band pretty well, but, I mean, there's, like, there's a the stuff which is more rooted in punk, and then there's, like, you go to, like, the North Temple area and you get a lot more like emo based like people who love like the Algernon Cadwallader scene like people who love cap and jazz and that's when like those like I guess like the West Philly quote unquote punk scene and like the twinkly emo scene there's not a whole lot of crossover with that um, and there's also like the whole um, uh, like the Menzingles holy mess pop punk scene and they usually that's kind of like I don't want to say self-contained it's just not something which I guess is relevant not, not relevant. It's not totally my thing, so I haven't paid as much attention to them, and it's not as visible to me, I guess. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. So you're fairly new to Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. Um, I think what, this is my third year now. Uh, I hope you're enjoying it. Um, what were your impressions coming into Philly, since part of this thing is dealing with Philadelphia? I mean, what what did you think of Philly coming into this place? Um, coming from 
New York, I, first of all, I thought public transportation was shit uh, and that I didn't, um, couldn't figure out why I couldn't take the subway anywhere I needed to go. But I guess that was just me being spoiled by New York with that. Um, yeah. I got mainly, uh, I think one of the big things I got was that it seemed like there was a, dis- a lot less bullshit than what I was used to, which seemed like people seem to be way more upfront about things and kind of, I don't want to say more abrasive, but a little bit more in your face and more to the point. Mm-hmm. I guess it was a lot less posturing and um, not so much about being a cool guy as much as just being involved, I think. Um, and Philly, I don't know, it was kind of scary a little bit. I mean, it was just like it was my first time living in a city, first time living by myself. Um, I think, I'm trying to think of what else, how else, Philly. Um, bullshit. Well, how do you think the city compared to? Did you? I mean, if you, did you have an impression of the city, you know, prior to that, and then in actually seeing it, did did it come across as dramatically different than what you imagined? I you know, have, I've always lived here, right? So mm-hmm. it's hard for me sometimes to 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 think of like what does the rest of the country think of Philadelphia? Generally, I think the feeling is fairly abysmal. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's violent and dirty um did you did you think those same things or did you think I mean, what did you think before you came here pretty much the only thing before i came here was that i didn't know much about philly i knew that i liked my friends who lived there and that the shows i had been to there had been cool i knew it was far enough away that i wouldn't have to deal with seeing my parents all the time but if i wanted to i could get back yeah and i knew that when i first came here i thought it wasn't a city because i was coming from new york and thought it just seemed like a suburb pretty much um and otherwise than that, I had just heard about, you know, Philadelphia um, lobbying at gunpoint. It's yeah, <laughs> certainly yeah. the first person I visited in Philly, I was, it was, after, it was maybe a couple months after I had first, like, visited Philly. Um, I was talking, he was walking home from a show one night and was talking on the phone and just instantly hangs up on me. I'm like, oh, what the hell is up with that? Got lobbed at gunpoint on, I think it was like 48th and Larchwood, maybe. Yeah, just, that would be a place for that to happen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's, I think it's definitely, I definitely had an idea of it being like a bit more off and tumble than New York was because I feel like I, when I was younger, I grew up thinking New York was like New York of like the 90s or before where it was like, you know, kind of like lawless and crazy. And people not, watch like the Warriors. I mean, they watch any, yeah. any movie about New York up to, you know, the late 80s or the mm-hmm. early 90s and like the subways are all painted with graffiti yes. and then you go there, you know, and you say, oh, it doesn't look like this yeah, at all. Like, New York is not the place that it was in, you know, yeah, 60s, 70s, 80s. You're reading about going to ABC Noyo in the 90s and then you go there and, you know, you're not getting hassled or shaken down or anything like that now. It's, you know, you have Hilton shopping in the boutique across the street. Jesus. Yeah, I haven't been there in a million years, but when I would go to the ABC No Real shows, yeah, it was always uh, a lovely neighborhood. Legitimately saw her across the street shopping when Uh, I was there, I think in 2008, maybe. Wow. It was, I think, like, some crusty band from Virginia was playing, and it was... It was just a sight to be seen. <laughs> yeah. Now, this has nothing to do with the interview, but I'll just ask you anyway. Do they, are the shows still in the basement, or are they upstairs? Uh, it's upstairs. So okay. I think they bought them upstairs in, like, early 2000s, I guess. For as long, I think my first show there was 2006, maybe, and that was upstairs. Okay, because the shows at first were upstairs, and then they moved into the, the basement. Yeah, at least and then the they, stage, I guess right? They moved, there was something upstairs. And, you know, it was a performance art yeah. space. Uh, and... So the, and they started having the shows, and then they went downstairs, and now, as you say, I guess they went back up mm-hmm. again. But, uh, yeah, the downstairs was 
pretty nasty. I could imagine. Because there was no air in a giant pole in the middle of the stage. Um, I, I like how I think my favorite thing in ABC is at least the last time I was there, the full floor would still totally shake mm-hmm. whenever a band was playing. Yeah. That, if anyone moved it off, he thought it was gonna, he thought it was gonna fall through. through. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I can believe that at some point that may well happen. Uh, it's, we'll see about that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so how do you think? Um, the Philly's punk scene is viewed by by people in other parts of the country. Do you ever communicate with people who and get a feeling of what they think of what this place is like? Um, at least coming from like very recently, like the past couple months, people have at least seemed very interested in it. It's because I think they see a lot of people now who are doing um, like zines and uh, like just there's a lot more. I think at least. At least in the circles I travel with, people are sending out demos and zines and letters and like mixtapes of bands from Philly, and people just seem at large a little bit more interested in it now. I feel mm-hmm. like at least like they've been like actually like back to bands of not like Sick Edge will just heal, you know, right, and everyone right, yeah. lost the shit over that LP. Yeah. So, so Philly's back, you know. <laughs> it's, yeah. I Would you say it's the most prominent band to come out of the city in, s- in recent years? Since I've been here, I mean, I would say they were most prominent band and also favorite band to see. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. they playing for half an hour straight, not stopping, mm-hmm. and usually play more than 15 minutes and you'll lose me, but yeah, just yeah, watching uh, them play, it just seemed like they each member was kind of like challenging themselves to do better each time, it felt like, almost. Right, yeah, that's good. Uh, I was gonna, there's something else I wanted to ask about Philly. Um, oh, so I mean, I don't want to put you on the spot, but do you do you have a feeling for Philly's uh, punk history? I mean, are you familiar with, you know, the iconic bands of the past that, that came out of the city? Um, I guess my big thing is like I was more familiar with like the mid to like late 90s stuff. I was like into Kid Dynamite and Nick and Dagger pretty much was my thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and getting to see them both reunite at This Is Hardcore was like a cool thing for me. Right. Um, otherwise those were like my two main bands I guess. I was never like super into like Wide Eye or any of that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, did you, did you ever explore any of the of the bands of the past, or did it just not really? It was one of those things where, like, I thought it would be interesting, but then I got distracted because I was seeing a cool band. Right, and right. So I didn't want to. It wasn't like a conscious decision. It just like didn't happen. I guess. Mm-hmm. It right. was. I was more concerned with what was going on now. Okay, so I guess uh, I suppose in closing with the thing. Um, you think that Philly is a place that you would consider living in for? Some time to I come. Couldn't imagine being anywhere else right now. Okay. Um, it's just it feels right <laughs> right now. Have your parents been down here? Uh, yeah, they visited a couple times. It's like they. Yeah, they what like is it. your house like? Are you living in a like a group punk house type situation? It's like uh, I'm the youngest one. It's like uh, all people who come from punk doing various things right now. Um, it's six of us living out at uh, 48th and Chester. Mm-hmm. Um, big, you know, old West Philly Victorian house, so apple on porch, cold as hell in the winter, um, right, yeah. hot as hell in the summer. Um, got a garage where we don't do anything but break bottles because we can. Um, <laughs> and when your parents come down and, you know, they see the place you're living in, clearly not like the house you grew up in. Yeah. Um, is, there, is there a concern? Well, or um, they, I mean, what I mean, they the house, like, aside from the garage, is pretty well put together. I think they, I think I've kind of, like, Gone it through the head that like not everyone I know is like some crazy drug addicted Sid Vicious <laughs> knockoff, yeah. you know. It's yeah. that there are people who you know will be playing in punk bands and also be working like a nine to five office job, you know. People yeah. who are working in advertisement or whatever. It's that punk is something where it doesn't matter what. I mean, it does matter, but it's you can. It's more than just the crazy partying, locking thing. I think they actually seem like. I think they'll. I think that they are 
not excited, but like at least acknowledge and um, support that I'm like I have something I feel like I'm doing. How, so, how old are your parents, by the way? Um, my mom is. 51, 52, and my dad is 60-ish. Okay. Um, right. It's, after say 60, I kind of just forgot about it. Yeah, that probably doesn't make that much of a difference. I, but, I'm um, not sure if he remembers himself. So. <clears throat> yeah. Well, it's good that they could see at least some, something yeah. good to come out of that. But, I mean, largely what's fed to people, or at least was, was something really negative. No one ever sees, you know, creativity or vitality. They yeah. generally see, like, a dude with a needle sticking out of his arm. But, I mean, you know? I think the reason I, they all, is about, like, oh, hands off as is now is like heads like proved to them like that like I was going to be going into the city and like staying in New York for like two, like for the whole weekend pretty much and if like for a parent from you know Westchester County be sending their son off to to Brooklyn for a couple the 14 year old son off to Brooklyn they have to have some form, swarm, uh, for, swarm, uh, form of trust there yeah so yeah. it's I think they had kind of had just to acknowledge that they trusted me enough to make the decisions um, that I would um, and that you wouldn't come back as a Russian Jew from spending too much time in Brooklyn. <laughs> yeah. Somehow even worse than being a punk. Oh, Yeah. Uh, well, super. Uh, I appreciate you talking to me. Oh, and, no uh, and I'm glad, glad to know that, uh, you know, folks still feel, feel the thing and, uh, and, you know, kind of move forward with it. Yeah. I think it's, I think those can only continue to go up from here right now. It's, I think it's on a real positive up and up. Excellent. And I should thank Will here for providing uh, some excellent footage for the live event. So thanks. You got it. <laughs> All right. Take care.